0: In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the two wins against Sassuolo and Cagliari. We'll be previewing the game against Napoli. An Inter rundown with Dutch football journalist and Inter fan Willem Hack. Uh, this week's Moji, Moratti, and Frog, and much, much more. Of everything here on Studio Inter. on sempre Inter. Not- Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I am your host Nima Tavalla Heruzzari, wishing you back to a week that Inter go into 11 points ahead of Milan in the Serie A after the 11th consecutive win in the Serie A, becoming the first team in history beating Arigosaki's Milan's record of winning 11 games, uh, winning every single game since the the season uh, since the table turned, so to speak, from match day. 20 and onwards, uh, which is truly remarkable. The previous record was uh, 10 that Arigosakis Milan uh, had and Inter had, but now it's only Inter. Uh, but before we get into everything, let me uh, begin by introducing my panelist, the Semprinter.com preview writer, uh, the artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Mystic Mo, <laughs> Mr. Mohamed Nassar. <laughs>
1: no, I'm not giving up on Mystic Mo, man. <laughs> right. No, you smart. shouldn't.
0: Yeah. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't give up because, um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 you. You really you 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 were you're really the first. You really believed, and you were not. You know, you really argued why Inter were going to win, and that Inter were going to go on a run. You were one of the few people yeah. who actually had an idea as to why that would be as well. But let's uh, before we get into all that, uh, let me introduce our second panelist. He writes a weekly column: "What Five Things We Learned from Inter This Week" on Sanprenta.com. Welcome back, Mister Jake Smalley.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I've just been on a look actually. Uh, the last time I was on the pod was just after the Fiorentina away victory. and Inter won every single game since, so I'm hoping that now I'm back on the pod that that run can continue. I hope I don't break it. So
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so if, if 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 Inter start losing like five eight games now and lose the Scudetto, everyone knows it's it's Jake's fault for it's coming my on fault, the yeah. pod. <laughs> and we're also joined by the chief news editor on SanPrinte.com, Mr. William Beckman. How are you, Will?
3: I'm good. I'm freshly haircutted.
0: So oh, <laughs> yes. alive again. Yeah. Well, I mean, wins, yeah, I mean? yeah, I mean it's it's the first day that the UK opened after four months, I think, of lockdown. Yeah, so. well
3: more or less, yeah, with with a few sort of exceptions here and there, yeah, but yeah.
0: yeah. Well, we are also joined by uh, a very special guest, uh, someone that I've uh, had interactions with on Twitter, known for, uh, as a, uh, known on Twitter for a couple of years. Uh, he's a Dutch football journalist. He has his own pod- podcast about Italian football in Dutch called Lo Stadio. Uh, he also works for Ziggo TV uh, as a pro- Ziggo Sport TV and uh, in, in Dutch TV, which broadcast the Serie A, making his Studio Inter uh, debut. Mr. Willem Hack. welcome.
4: Good evening. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, we're good to have you. I mean, first off, let's let's start there. Um, you are, as I said in the introduction, you're an Inter fan, and that's how we got to know each other uh, on Twitter. And um, I'm keen to know because, I mean, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, most Dutch people, for natural reasons, you are are Milan fans because of they the famous trio. So, what made you an Inter fan? I'm keen to ask you about that. Yeah,
4: how did you well, become it, one? It happened like uh, eleven years ago, I think, when. Uh, Almost all of the Netherlands supported Barcelona in the Champions League, of course, in the, the semifinals of the, of the Champions League. Uh, because mm-hmm. Barcelona plays that beautiful football and still plays uh, that football. I mean, the Dutch style. Um, and they like it here. But I uh, like the underdog. And uh, I watched uh, those games and Inter defended well. Inter won at San Siro, of course. You all know the, uh, those games. You all can remember those games. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the year, actually, that I uh, fell in love with Inter. Uh, but, yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful year. Uh, and then uh, the 11 years that I am an Interista <laughs> <laughs> were, were a bit more difficult. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of funny you say that because I, myself and Mo, I mean, we became Interisti because we're a little bit older. We became Interisti in the 88-89 season, the Inter, de record. So it wasn't exactly... A never-ending champagne of titles and celebrations and champagne since then. It took a little while, and that's I think that's good. That 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 when they're you know if people who become Interisti when they're younger, when Inter win, they then the, the, you know Inter teaches them life lessons afterwards. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and,
4: and then you realize that they don't win that often. So, no, uh... <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly, and then and then you're happy when they actually do. Um, exactly, so, like so, this uh, year. Exactly like this year and and I'm glad you spoke about uh, you know this was not planned uh, to bring Willem on because uh, th- this ridiculous notion of beautiful football because that's something we're going to talk about in this podcast uh, because apparently Inter are boring because they win if you ask me yeah. but <laughs> but that's 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 something else we're going to get to so I'm keen to I'm keen to I'm keen to ask you because you know, you and I have spoken a little bit on WhatsApp and, and, and Twitter throughout this season, and, and I was very critical of Antonio Conte. I did not believe, especially after the Champions League exit and how it looked before Christmas, that Inter would be able to to do anything. I mean, uh, to challenge for a Scudetto, let alone go on a record-breaking 11-game win. Um, we're, I mean, honestly now, Willem, what, what were your thoughts going into the season? And were you one of the doubters as well when... The Champions Yeah. ended like- Yeah,
4: Yeah, it was for sure. I mean, um, last year was quite a good year, of course, with the second place and with the final in the Europa League. Uh, but then again, you, you expect them to win this year. You expect Conte to do those special things at Inter as well. And at the start of the season, it didn't look like they could win 11 games in a row, of course. I mean, you all can remember the games against Parma, against Torino which were quite uh, yeah, painful games as well, I mean, uh, against Torino Day 1, but uh, with so much pain and so much effort that I thought, well, what's the point of having Conte here and what's the point of paying him so much uh, and not winning, not doing those beautiful things? And, of course, uh, the knockout in the Champions League was, uh, I think, the, the worst uh, that, that could happen. And then I was the, the biggest doubter uh, over here in the Netherlands, I think. I mean, uh, as an Interista, you always criticize a coach. You always want them to win. And you always uh, uh, realize that it's not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, it is now. And uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan still. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you have to be it right now. I mean, there's no no reason to criticize quantum except for his... Uh, uh interviews sometimes but uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's um, better now it's better now
0: yeah he does seem a bit more in, in harmony with life and found it his, is like, yeah and if you
4: win if you win you're right so that's uh there's no point of criticizing uh inter right now I think especially when you're an interista I mean winning is the most beautiful thing there is yeah absolutely
0: Mo uh did you have a question for Willem
1: yeah hi Will. um uh, very nice to have you on um uh, especially from like a, uh, uh another international inter fan perspective so i wanted to ask you um what for you i mean since uh, you were attracted to inter the the in the last winning cycle um uh, do you, what do you think of this team uh, are we um uh, what do we expect i mean we don't want to get ahead of ourselves this season isn't over and 11 points is a big gap and everything. But assuming this season goes as well as we hope it does and Inter do finish the, the, the league with a title finally, uh, what do you think uh, uh, is the ceiling for this current Inter with Conte? And what does Inter need for, uh, for, it, for the team to be able to do something outstanding, in your opinion, um, beyond just winning yeah.
4: a, the title? That's a good question because the last year you see that there's a big gap between Italian football and the European top I think. I mean, uh Juventus did well a couple of times, but the rest of the Italian teams weren't that good in the Champions League, of course. And you saw this year with Inter, I mean, uh yeah, it, it was not good enough in the in the group stage. And I think there has to happen a lot to uh, to uh become a Champions League winning team, I think. Uh, you have to have more uh, more of those warriors that Inter had in the squad of, of 2009, 2010, of course. Um, and uh, you need to have more depth in the squad, I think. I mean, uh, to uh, to constantly win, to constantly uh, be able to uh, reach a knockout stage in the, in the Champions League, you need uh, uh, like 20 good players. and. I don't think that Inter has enough players to uh, to do that well in the Champions League. Uh, so you need a, a forward striker, you need an extra central midfielder, you need uh, another central defender, uh, which is not a type like Ranocchia or D'Ambrosio, but someone who can play even in the in the big games in Serie. And, and and that's I think what 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 needs to happen the next couple of years to become uh, a, a team that that can beat. Squads like Bayern and Paris Saint-Germain. Because if you would ask me right now, and, and you do, uh, then I think there that, that there is a big, 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 uh, gap between Inter and those top European teams.
0: Mm, for sure. Uh, Jake. Uh, I'll hand you over to Jake if you have a question for for Willem.
2: Hi, nice to meet you, Willem, and uh, chat properly. I just wanted to sort of tap into your. Um, expertise on Dutch football. Uh, uh, during my columns over the last few weeks, I've been looking at sort of identifying some uh, players that Inter might target in the window. We know that financially things might be a little bit difficult. We don't know what kind of budget we're talking about, but I've sort of identified the idea that perhaps Inter could do with some better quality in the left wing back slot, or maybe a central midfielder, even a centre back to add a bit of depth. Is there any players in the Eredivisie that you'd recommend that could uh, do a job for Inter?
4: Yeah, of course, at, at Ajax plays Taliafico, which is an uh, Argentinian uh, left-back. Uh, but I think he could do the role at Inter as well, the, the, as a left-wing-back. left, left wing back. Um, And he's experienced, uh, more experienced than, for example, uh, Weindel of AZ, who's, uh, who has quality, but still young, and, and lacks experience at the, at the Dutch top, because AZ is a good squad, but not like Ajax or PSV. Um, and at central midfield, yeah, uh, it's quite difficult, I think. Uh, I really like code miners of AZ, uh, but, but then you see the same problem that he could come to Inter, but he costs 20, 25 million. Uh, and I think that's too expensive for Inter buying uh, a player who still has to prove everything at, the, at, at the, the, the real top, and who hasn't played in the Champions League yet. Uh, but yeah if you look at Ajax uh yeah, there's a lot of players i think that that could do well in Serie A and, and even at Inter um and are talented, of course
0: i wanted to ask you cuz there's um um cuz i recently been been studying this for for in in another situation but uh there's a swedish left left wing back gabriel Gudmundsson, who's doing it really well at Groningen um, and he's been linked to the top sides in Europe, um, and and he's a left wing back. Do you? I mean, have you seen him? Anything? What what do you think of him?
4: Yeah, I've seen him, but I don't know him that well. Uh, but I think it, it, the same for him uh, that it would be better for him to go to a team like Ajax or uh, Pace Fay Pace first, and then make the step to the to the to the European top. If you make uh, mm. a transfer from, from from Groningen to Inter, yeah. Uh, we all know how how difficult mm. uh, that can be for some players, and uh, I don't think that he could do well at Inter right now. But maybe in a couple of years, maybe if you buy him now and uh, uh, send him to to a team like Parma or, or, mm. or whatever uh, to 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 get some experience, yeah, that could be a transfer which is uh, interesting for Inter.
0: For sure. Uh, Will Will uh, William Beckman? I would you like to ask Willem a question?
3: Yes. <laughs> Yes indeed. Um thank you for joining us. I just wanted to um ask you about this game that we saw yesterday against uh Cagliari because there was uh, one name that I wasn't expecting to see on the, the team sheet. I think we talked about it on last week's show and that was um Stefano Sensi who has uh, not started for Inter since the 30th of September back when uh, the world was completely different and so was so <laughs> Inter as a team. Um, <laughs> so just uh, I just wanted to to get your opinion on his performance because I was personally uh, pleasantly surprised. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been given because the you know Sensi did play for Italy and, and score during the international break. But you know, w- were you encouraged the, the, the maybe that he's not going to start games going forward because we know that Barella was was suspended for that match against Cagliari, But do you think that he could actually be? Uh, do you think he still has a future for the rest of this season, also beyond because it would be, would be a shame to never see the Desensi that we had last season again. Um, but I, 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 just, like I said, I thought he was pre- reasonably encouraging um, in this match without getting carried away.
4: I expected to, uh, I expected to see uh, Vecino because he's like, like, more like a player of Barrela's Bar- uh, style, of course. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised by Sensi. I, I think he, he, uh, he's more a type that can play in the position of Ericsson, of course with his creativity, with his passing. Uh, but I really like the midfield with, with Eriksen, Brozovic and Sensi, which is yeah, a passing midfield, and which is a passing midfield that you don't see that often in teams of Antonio Conte, because he really likes the the, the physical style, of course. And uh, But if you ask me, yeah, there's a, a future for sure for Sensi at Inter. Uh, more for him than for, for types like Vecino, Gagliardini, or a Vidal, because uh, yeah, he, he, he uh, brings that creativity uh, that we lacked in in the games against uh, Udinese, for example, uh, which ended in nil-nil, uh, where you saw that 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 Inter didn't have that 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 last pass to uh, to send to Lukaku and Lautaro. Yeah, well, I liked him, but uh, it's not a sensey that we saw. Uh, one and a half season ago, I think we still have to wait for the for his best moments uh, to come this season. Uh, but if you give him playing time, yeah, we will see uh, those best moments again. I think that he could uh, could do well in the coming games. Maybe not for 90 minutes, but for 45, 60. Yeah, maybe uh, as a replacement of Eriksson. Yeah, that, that that I could do. Uh, could could see doing him well then. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, it's. I, I want to. We're going to debate this ourselves, even. Uh, uh, but I wanted to hear your thought uh, on this as well. This notion that you know, the, the, all of a sudden, after the game against Sassuolo, because Inter played with less ball position and defended really deep, that all of a sudden Inter are now the a boring team, and and Inter play destructive football. That's not going to can you know uh, be successful in the Champions League, and that's why they failed in the Champions League. I'm keen to hear what you think about that.
4: It doesn't matter to me. I mean, if you win, you win. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, we saw that with Juve the, the, the last nine years. They didn't play that, uh, that beautiful football uh, either. And, uh, uh, yeah, what Allegri said, I like to win with... Uh, I like to win. I like to win either uh, with, with 20 uh, points difference or with five goals in a match or with one. Uh, or with the corto muso, uh it's important <laughs> to win. And, uh, yeah, if you win, and we did it uh, 11 times in a row now, there's no reason to complain. And uh, you don't play football for, for the rest of the world. You play football for Inter. You play uh, for this club and not for Italian football. So, uh, yeah, of course, there's a criticism, but, yeah, that doesn't matter too much for me. Uh, if you win 1-0 against Cagliari, well, that's enough. You have the three points, and uh, that's enough to become champions. I think so. Uh, I think that's a quality, and and not a reason to criticize uh, the squad or Conta or uh, the club.
0: Mm, for sure. Um. Um. Just before um, we we let you go. Um. We we've had a few questions. Uh. Several uh. User uh, listeners who who've sent in questions saying, you know, because some of them you kind of already answered, for example, Mustafa Ali asks, how can Inter transfer this type of success in the Serie A to Champions League in order to succeed their next season? Um, I mean, is it, is it, if we're talking transfers, um, obviously because of COVID, there's going to be limitations on that, severe limitations on that. But if you could within, you know, dream, but dream within reason, who do you think can you give a list of players that you think Inter should that are realistic for Inter to sign in order to succeed in the Champions League next season better and by succeed I mean not win the Champions League but to get to mm-hmm. a quarter final or something like that
4: On top of that list is Rodrigo De Pal of, wow. uh, of Udinese because I think he's the midfielder that the Interlex right now he exactly. uh, he has a dribble he can 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 bring this this those uh those physical things that the the midfield lacks sometimes uh and I think I think he could be a starting player so yeah if you have to pay 25 millions for him yeah uh, why not um and then an extra central defender but uh, I don't have a name that that comes to mind right now I think mm-hmm. but uh, uh it's important to 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 add some depth to the squad because I think that the first eleven are uh, are good enough to do things in the Champions League, but you need need those those extra players. And um, yeah, well, uh, uh, some of those can play in the Serie A. For example, Pellegrini would be a midfielder that they would 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 see doing well at the Inter as well, of Roma. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, th- those players would be would be uh, would be interesting to see at the Inter, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, before we let you go, um, I would like to, you know, if you got something coming up, uh, your pod or or whatever, uh, you know, the floor is yours. Feel free to plug it.
4: No, thanks for having me. I mean, uh, it's always uh, different to speak in English and in Dutch, but uh, thanks for having me. And uh, we'll see each other uh, at Piazza Duomo when we become champions, of course. Maybe (laughs) next year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. Thank you so much for coming on, Willem.
4: Have a nice evening.
0: You too. Take care. Ciao. Out. right uh let's uh let's uh, t- let's continue there uh where you know about the boring 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 inter because i i have to I, I find this so amusing and i and i and i and i i i i'm gonna ask i want to know what you guys think but i just personally think this stuff is absolutely hilarious because you know i i i'm 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 cursed some would say with, with a pretty good memory and I I remember when Antonio Conte won his first U- title with Juve, which started this nine year this this long nine year run, and there was not a single person in Italy that accused Juventus of playing boring, that accused Conte of being boring, that accused Juve of being boring, that accused that said anything like that. Uh, The only thing they said was praise Conte to take a team that finished seventh the year before and without any major big investments minus Arturo Vidal and Andrea Pirlo on a free transfer and Mirko Vucinic and Listeiner on a free as well. He transformed them to a side that did not lose a single game in the Serie A and they won the Serie A in, in impressive fashion. That's what everyone was talking about. Now, Inter haven't won a de- haven't won anything in a decade and haven't won the Serie A in, in, in 11 years. And as such, Inter are in the same position, you know, In my the way I see it. Inter should be judged in the same way that Juventus were when they started their winning cycle. But they're not. And we know why. And we know why these discussions appear, even though they're not backed up by the facts, even though uh, yesterday we saw uh, that, that, you know, Inter have the second most passes in the league, before scoring a goal after Atalanta. Um, up until yesterday, Inter had scored the, the most goals in the Serie A, and now they're the, they've scored 69 second-most goals. Um... They, I, 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 you know, of course, Inter are boring. If you have an in- anti-Inter agenda, you hate this Inter. You think it's boring. It's the most boring thing ever. They, you know, if you don't like Inter, you, you love Inter when they have Kuzmanovic and Jonathan and Juan Jesus. You don't, you don't find this Inter the, rather. You you don't think Inter are entertaining when they have Christian Eriksen, Milan Skirini, and Alessandro Bastoni, or Barella or Lukaku. You think they're hilarious when Rajana, Ingolan and Mauro Icardi, and Ivan Perisic are fighting. That's that's entertainment. So, you know, to me, this notion is just absolutely hilarious. And it, and, and it always comes when Inter win. Like Massimo Moratti said, you know, Inter aren't supposed to win. <laughs> and when they do, they have to go on these ridiculous runs to win by a mile so that no one can catch them. So, you know, it, it, it is, it's childish. But I'm keen to hear what you guys think. I want to hear what you say, Mo, on this whole boring Inter thing.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Willem said it best. Uh, where? I, I don't care. I really don't care. Um, because, you know, I, I care I care about style of play when, um, uh, uh, as it was when we went on that, I think it was a seven-match winning streak under Mancini, but it was uh, all these, uh, when Handanovic was having that spectacular uh, blinder of a season, uh, saving all these goals, and Inter really weren't deserved winners. But none of the matches, uh, these... Uh, quote unquote boring games, and none of the matches do you feel that Inter came out as undeserved winners. It's just it was a, a very business, uh, businessman like uh, performance, very professional, uh, 90 minutes in and out. And I think we 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 forget the fact that you know this is the second week in a row where Inter have uh, a midweek match so uh yeah no for me um like uh water off a duck's back uh, i don't care i think this is a uh like you like you just said it's a you know uh a salty narrative and um it is what it is it's uh i i, I, I really i really uh give it no attention I, I i i could not care less i really i could not care less
0: but this, there's a thing here that really that, that i find so interesting and that's the fact that um, and I wanted to hear what you all think about it. And I wanted to start with you, with you, uh, Will, about that. Because I think personally, I think I never thought that Antonio Conte would be able to redefine how he understands the game and how and, and change. Um, I, I thought he was very stuck in his ways because he's an ideologue. But the Inter that we've seen after Christmas is not the Inter. Is not the Inter we saw in the beginning of the season in terms of balance, in terms of how the midfield play. It's absolutely not the the intensity uh, team that his juve first juve side had or his chelsea team they play completely different he's evolved and uh, and the, and at the heart of that lay a deeper balance defensively but above all a midfield which run outruns its opponents but doesn't just outrun them with barella eriksen and, and and brozovic you have creativity intelligence good shooting you have players that can do it all and that makes Inter unpredictable. And these 11 games show that because even if they didn't have the ball, most of the ball position against Juve or Milan or Lazio, they kind of outplayed those teams, right? Or what am I missing here, Will?
3: No, I, I, you're not missing anything, I don't think. Uh, I remember when Conte. Turned up at Chelsea in uh, 2016, his, his first press conference. He said that uh, I think a coach is like a tailor who has to make the best dress, which is, you know, find the dress that suits his, uh, his team or fits his team the best. Um, and that's kind of what he's done here. You know, I'm sure he had, uh, he had an idea of how he wanted him to play this season, um, but it didn't work. We saw that there was no balance. Uh, we considered uh, 13 goals in the first eight league games. Um, which is the same number of goals we then conceded in the the next twenty league games, um, which really tells you how things have changed. You, you know, I think the the turning point was the defeat to Real Madrid, the one at home when we lost two 0 When uh, uh, everything looked very very bleak, um, Conte was being facing calls to to be sacked. Uh, I was one of those, uh, as people were, may remember. And from that moment on, you know, from the the Sassuolo game the first Sassuolo game at the Mape Stadium, they, they had a chat, and this is what he, this is what they've said anyway, we had a chat in the dressing room, we decided that, you know, we need to find a way to, to win games because that's what we're here for, we're Inter. Um, and Conte's found the right way to do it. He's he's dropped the team uh, a little deeper, he's not conceding that central space that we were going on about in the first half of the season. He's got players who he had previously discarded to come back into the team, like Perisic and, and Ericsson. And... You know, he has shown that you know to an extent he does adapt. I don't think anyone would would dispute that he has his what he has his ideas and he likes to follow them. But you know, this isn't the first time that he's he's adapted to to what he to what he wants. You know, let's remember that Juventus he didn't he didn't turn up with the idea of playing three five two. He wanted to play four two four, which is what he's always been sort of in love with since his early coaching days. You know, when we scored a goal against uh, Sassuolo last week, and he put it on his Instagram talking about. So you know he's 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 always adapted at Chelsea he had a he had a back four and uh, which wasn't working so he he switched to a 3-4-3. So you know there's 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 um there's light and shade to all these things. Um and Conte has certainly shown that he is capable of analyzing what's wrong and finding a solution. So yeah, I think he deserves he deserves huge credit. You know, it's not the most spectacular style of play in the world, but you know, we haven't won anything for 11 years, so we can't really be picky about how we play. And as you, as you both said, most of us don't care anyway. Um, so that's not a problem. What matters is that we've won 11 games. And unlike in that 2015-16 run that that Mo uh, alluded to, we've not won them by chance. You know, we may have won, I think we've won five or six games now, but with with a one goal margin, which obviously isn't always sustainable in the long run, but I don't think any of them have been particularly undeserved wins. You know, maybe some of them were, were tight games where we could have had a different result, but none of them have been, you know, absolute robberies. You know, they, there's always been a sense that we've, we've got the game where we want it and that we've been able to to play the game on our own terms, which I think is probably, you know, I was, we were, I've just been writing up some quotes from Walter Zenga for the site and he was saying, you know, people are confusing aesthetics with control and the thing mm, that to always have is that they control you. games. Um, so, while maybe they're not going to be they 're not going to make their mark in history as a team that changed the way that football is played, it doesn't really matter you know we 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 are We are not in the position to be picky, even if we wanted to be about the way this team plays. What matters is that Conte has found a way to put all the pieces in this puzzle together he 's convinced everybody, including those players who are not playing, such as Darmian and Ranocchia and Ambrosio and whoever else has come in in the last few weeks that this is something that they, they need to be a part of. And, you know, if we go into Europe next season and, and things don't work out, then yes, we'll have the same discussion we've had before about how Conte needs to dominate the ball more in Europe. But that is a that is a future discussion. You know, right now, there is there is only one thing that people should be focusing on. And it's the fact that we are walking to our first league title in 11 years. Now, I understand, as you said, people do have a slightly sharper tooth. We Maybe we should say we'll it compared to <laughs> Ventus in the in the Italian mid there's also the fact that basically they can't hype up the title race anymore because we've killed it. So they have to find something else to talk about. And so the discussion has been thrown forward to will this work in Europe? So I get it to an extent, but if we're talking about it as, as fans and as people that, you know, don't need to look that far forward, it doesn't really matter at the moment because winning the league is, is what he came to do and it's what he's on course to do. So I don't think there's any scope for criticism at the moment.
0: But I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up about the 4-2-4 because I think that the, the, what's made it so interesting is the fact that into are very fluid. You know, and, and Andrea Pirlo speaks about that. Form, the formation on paper doesn't talk about, uh, it doesn't matter. But what matters is how you, how, how, you know, to get players in, in certain positions. Antonio Conte is doing that. Because inter when when he brings Brozovic and Christian Eriksen to drop us into central defence, and he sends Bastoni and Milan Skriniar as wing fullbacks, and he sends the wingbacks to become wingers, with the two strikers up there, this is a very this is not you know you said that it might not you know it's not might not change football forever. Well, it's it's rather it's rather unique. I've not seen many other teams play like that. That, together with his vertical football and the at- attributes that he has at his team in this team with Lautaro and above all Lukaku, that that makes Inter a very difficult team because they can hurt you in so many different ways. Um, and and I think that's what you know his vertical football that he likes to talk about. This isn't this isn't some sort of you know Mazzarri ball on steroids. It was before Christmas. When he had Vidal and Galliardini starting, and he tried to shoehorn Ericsson into some sort of trequartista role that just com- com- confused him even more. That that was that was awful. But this, what we're seeing now, is something else, and it's all coming together. And I think if they, with like what Willem said, uh, the only player and and the only reason I want him is because Conte is here because he has the tools that no one in this team has and it would make inter even more unpredictable is rodrigo de paul simply because of his brilliance in with movement on the ball and ability to dribble because inter don't dribble we're the 19th team in the Serie A for dribbles um per game and per per player uh, per, per game inter don't dribble if they can also incorporate that into it then it makes inter virtually so unpredictable because with Hakimi, Perisic or whoever you have together with these central de- these these central defenders in the three-man defense who are very good at going up on uh, into uh, into into fullback positions when we've got the ball that makes inter so unpredictable and it's it's a very I actually would say that it is a very rather revolutionary form of football that we've not seen before not like this and and it's it's it's, it's, it's genuinely incredibly interesting to see um Jake Kevin I, mean, I want to hear your thoughts on
2: this I think one thing that you've, you, all of you, have not really touched on uh, too much is perhaps um, the way that Conte has maximised the capabilities of some of his key players. You mentioned Bastoni a little bit there. Bastoni, uh, to me, when I'm looking at around Europe, there's nobody quite like him as a player. The ability to play as a centre half and also, like you just mentioned, come forward, it's almost like a fullback or a wing back in attack. He's got a brilliant array of passing. He's strong. He's fast. He's, he's a bit of a freak, to be honest with you. Um, there's no centre-back, if you're going to fully sort of label him as one of those, quite like him. Uh, you've got him, you've got Barella, who's gone on another gear as the season's gone on. Lukaku, so I think one thing in terms of the squad is how he builds his system and the way that he plays around these key players. I think the one thing that then is added to that... Um, that has sort of been mentioned brief there as well with sort of Vidal and Galliardini sort of taking a bit of a backseat. He's finally found sort of a starting eleven that fits what he wants. I think earlier in the season, we were conceding goals, he you had know, Kolarov playing games. I think it took him a little bit of time to sort of realise, look, I want to rest some players for some of the games, so I'll try and play some of the fringe players. But ultimately, the gap between the current starting eleven, his strongest eleven that we talked about in Perisic, Eriksen, the difference between that and as soon as you start adding players like Galeardini in there, maybe an Ashley Young at some points, although he has had some good games, it's not quite the same level of quality. And I think maybe it might be a bit of a question going forward for next season, like Will sort of alluded to, whether you know you can keep this eleven going all the time in Europe and then play them in the league. It's not going to happen. So I think going forward it's perhaps going to be important this summer to recruit quite well, had a bit of extra court in. Rodrigo got a would be an amazing sign. That'd be absolutely superb. And I think uh, Stefano Sensi was a player that uh, was sort of shoehorned for that role, but you know, we can't sort of rely on the fact that he can stay fit. And that's a bit of a problem. But I think as the season's sort of gone on, to me, it seems like Conte's he evolved, like you mentioned, in terms of tactically. He's, he's more happy to let the opposition out the ball. The counter-attack's massively strong. And that's down to the fact that he can rely on those key individuals. Lukaku, um, Barella, even Brozvic at times, Bastoni. And also he's settled on this starting eleven that he's been able to use, where Inter's best team is out. And playing maybe once twice a week in just the league does maybe allow that a little bit more. So I think that's where... Things have really, really turned around. I think as well, you've got to pinpoint that Juventus game as well. It was a massive, massive victory. I think even more so than the wins over Lazio and Milan, to be honest with you. I think getting one over on Juventus, the current holders mm-hmm. at home, so convincingly gave the players such a massive, massive lift in confidence. And truly, I don't think they've ever looked back from even that point.
0: Yeah, now that certainly turned out to be true. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But um, yeah, uh, it's all excellent points. Um, we, we've had a couple of uh, questions um, from 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 listeners, and I and I don't want to use them all today because a lot of them also are, are about the future, and I and I don't want to entirely jinx it. Although I know that we're going to win this, coreto, But I don't want to, you know, start start going, you know, any events. Um, I don't want to get get ahead of ourselves too much. But um, there, there there are some reports about. You know, if if we were to to dream within reason, as I said, I have three players that I absolutely under would 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 want Inter to sign this summer. I have three. These are my three targets: Crotone's Simi as a backup to Lukaku, Federico Di Marco as a left wing back to alternate with Parisage or whoever plays there next to him, preferably Parisage. I think for one more season he's got in him. Um. And Rodrigo de Paul. these are my three players. um I'm not saying you have to name three, but name however however many um uh or 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 one or two or three however you want uh that, that you could that if you could dream within reason, starting with you, mo
1: yeah, I think uh the consensus uh, on the poll is uh is quite clear i think uh like uh, like like you and willem said, you know. This is the time with Conte here. This is the, the time for this player to express himself uh, uh, the best. Inter need him, need a player of his quali- calibre and, 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 and um, attributes. So I definitely think uh, De Paul. Um, I definitely think we should uh, re-sign uh, Di, uh, Di Marco for sure. So uh, yes, uh, I agree with that. We, 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 we do need a backup to Lukaku. Uh, who it would be, who it could be, I don't know. I was really, really happy and enthusiastic about uh, the Giroud, uh, even though I'd spent my entire life shitting on him. But I think, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, honestly, uh, as a vice uh, vice Lukaku, I think he's still got a couple of years in him to uh, come off the bench and do interesting things. Although we keep seeing uh, Esposito scoring goals for Venezia, I think it is, so maybe, who knows? Uh, but we definitely do need a, a, a proper, like a, a proper vice uh, Lukaku, um, and I think that that would be that would be uh, a pretty solid. We're gonna we're gonna need the right back backup, not just Darmian, but uh, someone with uh, the attacking attributes of uh, of uh, Hakimi, uh, so that in case Hakimi is uh, unfit, out of form, or suspended. We, uh Conte doesn't need to rejig his entire attacking formation, so I know that Hakim is a very talented player, and, and finding someone who can um, capably uh, um, fill it, fill his role is is not easy. But uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, I think by and large that would be it. I, I don't think I, I I disagree with Willem here in in that I don't think the defense needs any shoring up. I think uh, we have the best uh, centre-back pairing, not pairing, it's a trio, but, you know, centre-back module. Um, And I think, you know, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but, you know, Ranocchia and ambrosio are both capable uh, stopgaps. Maybe if we have an extended layoff uh, by one of the guys, by one of the main guys, maybe then the defence would be a little bit more exposed. But I don't think it's the priority where we need to uh, where we need to fill. I think uh, vice Lukaku, uh, left back cover, left wing back cover, and uh, and central mid, central mid. uh, Like we've always said, someone to replace uh, to to add balance uh, to the side and take the pressure off Brozovic. That Mm. would be it for me.
0: Mm. Will, what about you?
3: Yeah, I mean, we all know the positions that that really need. Um, the, strong, the most re, the urgent reinforcement. Um, Perisic has done a, a great job at left wing back, but um, I think a, a left-footed specialist, you know, a, a twin to akra Hakimi on the left wing would be would be ideal. Obviously, Ashley Young is going to leave by all accounts, so we will need uh, a replacement numerically there more than anything else. Um, Marco obviously would be ideal. We are not going to have. Waves of money to spend by by any stretch of the imagination. So if if a a gentleman's agreement could be uh, arranged with Verona to bring him back, that would be that would be great. Um, He'd be obviously he wouldn't mind coming in as as a backup. I'm sure to if we wanted to keep faith with Perisic, which I'm not necessarily against, but we will need a reinforcement there. And if you're looking for a left foot, then he's got a great left foot. Needs to need some work defensively from what I've seen, but um, you know that can be that can be learned. We've already seen the, the progress that Hakimi's made under. Under Conte in that sense. Um, the other one is is the Lukaku backup, as you say. Um, we are going to be, you know, again, we will be have we'll have three games a week uh, in the Champions League next season, um, and you know, it's it's really asking a lot to to ask Lukaku and, and Lautaro as well to have a third season where you're really pretty much relying on them with the occasional uh, the occasional start for Sanchez. So you know, someone who will be an option in a way that in the way that Pinamonte clearly hasn't been is necessary. Um, Giroud, as I, I think I said that in January, would be would be a good idea. Although you know he is getting a bit older, and we know that uh, we signed a couple of 30 something year olds last year, and that that didn't necessarily go very well. Uh, Moriel has been linked, but I don't see how Atalanta are going to are going to let him leave. He would be great. He's been he's good, he's good as a sub, and he's good whenever he starts. Andre um, Andrea Bellotti is out of contract next summer, so he will not be he will not be costing too much. I don't think Torino are going to get relegated now, but that's another name that we've been linked to who might be interested potentially. Um so you know it, it it's a difficult role there because you've basically got to sell the fact that you're gonna come and sit on the bench, which is really why we ended up with Pinamonti in the first place, along with mm. the fact that we didn't have much money. So it's it's not an easy one to get right. Um Paul would be great in midfield. Um and then, you know. Samir Handanovic has been great, but there's another Udinese player we should hopefully be looking at, and that's Musa. Although again, money money is going to talk there. Looks like we need 30 million for that. So, you know, it's it's hard really to get carried away with with names, given that we know that this is going to be another difficult market for Inter and uh, and for um, for other clubs. So I don't know how many of those are really very realistic. Probably not many of them. Um, I did have one other name though that I, I just Remember, I thought about a few weeks ago and someone who I thought would be ideal for Conte although admittedly he'd need to adapt to the lead potentially um, Sal Niguez is not playing at Atletico Madrid um, and he would be, I know maybe he's not quite got the reputation he had a couple of years ago, he's kind of been usurped by Urente by in that midfield but I think I, whenever I used to see him I think he'd be perfect for the way that we play, you know we need um, I think Aldo Serena said last week we need another Barella because you know that kind of uh goal scoring midfielder because you said Ericsson has not really uh, managed to contribute yet with goals he's always a name that i'd love to see but i again i mean if we talk that's that's more of a dream than a than a piece of advice for for monotonalzio because i don't think uh, i don't think the money is going to be there
0: no <clears throat> for sure um what about you jake
2: uh, these questions are really tough because it gets my football manager part of my brain sort of twigging and uh, I get this idea between players that I really like and players that uh, become a bit more logical. And I think um, given the points that have been raised, I think financially it makes sense to try and get a deal for DeMarco Done. I really like DeMarco, I think he's excellent. Uh, I think he's used to playing a similar sort of system. Perhaps he does need a little bit more work defensive, but going forward, he's also quite good at set pieces as well. I think he'd definitely be an upgrade Ashley young, so to have him and Perisic's option, that left-wing back role would be good. Robin Gossens is a player that has been potentially talked about, but that might be a bit financially uh, out of Inter's reach, because he'd be the dream, really. He'd be the uh, Hakimi style sort of player on the other side. Um, I like your idea of Simi uh, Nima. I think he'd be a pretty decent signing for a backup striker. I think he's very physical. Uh, he's quite strong at leading the line. He's not a slouch either, really. And I think he's someone who would quite potentially be quite happy to sign for Inter and maybe have a bit part role. You know, to convince him to come from a team that you know are going to get relegated this season. Um, to come play Inter and potentially play the Champions League be massive. I think there's a few teams that would look at him. I don't think he costs the earth, but the fact that he could possibly get Champions League football playing for Inter, uh, you know, if, if injuries happened or, you know, just to come off from the bench, I think that would be a good signing. Um, one that I sort of wanted to throw into the mix might be a little bit unlikely, but um, I was reading today about. Potential for Papu Gomez to come in. I think that. I'm really
0: glad you brought that up because I was. That was my next question because we have a we have a listener question who who wants us to talk about that because the issue is there's there's rumors about Joao Joao Mario Papu Gomez swap and and my response to that is where do we sign? (laughs) Joao Mario is not even in like he's not even remotely on
2: Inter's radar. Yeah,
0: I I'd bring him in.
2: Yeah, well, I think in terms of money as well, the, the, the figures that were being quoted are very similar. So, I mean... Um, it, it sounds like from what I was reading that Papu's quite interesting going back to Italy, and obviously Sevilla paid eight million for him. So if you get seven or eight million for uh, Gial Mario, or even if you just do a straight swap, I mean, literally that's been absolute bargain. And you know that if you, if you look at those players I've just mentioned, I think you'd be looking at less than ten million for Simi. You'd probably be looking at less than ten million for Di if there's some sort of deal to be done there. And seven again for Gomez, you could do your summer recruitment, and this is very ideal. But um, for less than thirty million, there in terms of three really good players, it'll improve the side. And like I've just mentioned in a previous point, I think all those players as well. I'd be quite confident in relying on to come into the team for games at the weekend, Benevento at home, you know, Spezia games like that, and also to come on and make a difference as well. So they'd be my three picks, and I'd love the idea of Gomez just because well, he's a beautiful it's a player. It's Papu. It's purple. I mean, <laughs> you can play things. three four two one. You can play
0: three five one one. I mean, just having him. Would 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 open up? I mean, you know, you, you you play a different kind of game, and given how much he drops deep to pick up the ball and move with it, it it would it would just be phenomenal. But yeah, uh, yeah so shout out to Mustafa Ali and Ahmed Khaled. We've got lots of other questions. We're going to have a episode where we answer your questions more more in because c- a lot of them, you know, towards the end of the season. So thank you. So keep them coming. I'm, I I got them all saved up. Right. Uh, let's. Uh, I mean, the the Cagliari game. Um, I think we've covered most of it. Really, I I think that Cagliari. Were Inter did well, Inter, this was a game that was a bit of a trap game the way it played out because Inter kept position, Inter cre- created, but Cagliari defended really well and in the end, God bless him, Matteo D'Armian, Omo Scudetto, the guy who was, when he signed for Inter, not a single fan was there um, to greet him. Um, was, is now, is, is <laughs> he's turning out to be one of the most useful players um and and winning scoring important goals and and always playing in in where he needs to play and and being a real squad player so you know god bless mateo Um, but uh other than that i've got not really got much to say but other than i want to talk about what i really want to talk about is the upcoming game against napoli it is the two most informed teams in the serie A who face off together at the stadio diego maradona in naples um, and this is where I expect fireworks from this game because Napoli have to attack and they have to win to, in order to qualify for the Champions League. Inter not so much, but and we know that when Inter are p- play against teams that, that like to go after them, Inter usually do really well, and Inter have a week to prepare, but having said that, Napoli's attack is not, with all due respect to Sassuolo, it's not Sassuolo's attack. This is a really good attack, and if I can recommend some all the listeners and you guys Something to do if you haven't seen Napoli's first goal against Sampdoria go and look at it. It is gorgeous That's attacking football. It is it is an absolute joy to watch so uh, Fabian Ruiz scored and the, the, the 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 passing and the interchanging and the movement is just absolutely glorious So inter will need to watch out um, Mo, are you still Mister Positivity? Do you do you really really think this run can continue beyond next Sunday? Because I think it's it's this has got two two draw, exciting spettacolo written all over it.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been uh, you know mulling it over in my head uh, where to go with this prediction. So uh, I think the smart money would say uh, predicts enter to finally drop points here, but. At the same time, like I said, you know, this Inter has shown us that they're able to do what we expect them to do, and I think you say uh, Napoli is the most uh, second most informed team. I haven't looked at the numbers or the statistics, but they did just you know quite easily lose to Juventus, uh, not not last week, but in their makeup game when we played against Asuolo that night or that evening. So I don't know; they're very temperamental and Inter are, seem to be anything but temperamental. I'm 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 going to predict a cheeky sneaky win. I think uh, I think uh, maybe a nice 2-1 where Inter go 2-0 up and then Napoli claw on back and then it's a bit of a frantic ending to the game, but I think I think it's I think it's you know the train moves on to uh, stop number 12.
0: Wow. Will, where are you on this?
3: Um, I believe that I mean I've said this two or three times in the last few pods, so maybe I should stop. But I, I do think that this is possibly the most difficult game that we have left. Especially if you consider that, without wanting to jinx anything, it might be that the Roma and Juventus games uh, are games we play with with the league already in the bag. So this is, you know, this if if there's going to be any chink in the armor to be exposed, it's going to be exposed in this game and. Uh, I think it will probably be a draw, um, and that would be an absolutely acceptable result for us given the position we're in. Um, I don't expect fireworks though, and I can remind you of exactly this conversation we had four months <laughs> ago before the home game when you said it would be uh, a festival of football, and it turned out to be a dud because Conte and Gattuso both wanted to sit back. Now I understand that Napoli. Uh, needs it's to win a different it's situation now. Game, I know. I know, but I still don't think that's going to change the way that Gattuso Fx approaches this game because he has never attacked Inter in five or six games where he's no. played against us. Two Coppa Italia matches, three or four derbies. He respects us perhaps even more than he should. Um, he will understand that if he lets us play on the break, he's going to be in trouble. So I still think he's going to be cautious. I don't think Inter are going to go all out. So I expect maybe slightly better than last last um, last December when it was... A, a nil-nil game that was that was broken by a penalty, essentially, and a red card, with 20 minutes left. Um, so I think it'll be a, a fairly tactical, um, maybe enjoyable, but mostly tactical, one-all draw. And uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be fine for me. Um, mm. Barella's back. Lukaku is not suspended. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm we have see no
0: suspensions. If I'm if I'm not wrong, we have a no. full team now.
3: Yeah, it's the only one that's left to, to serve his suspension. Really, is uh, of the first team is Lukaku, who's now yeah. still a booking away, but he's not missing this match. So no. we have Lautaro on three. So if he picks up two bookings, then he could get one. But yeah, that that sort of yellow card thing appears to have we to have got through that without any, without even dropping any points. So that's that's definitely a positive.
0: Mm. <laughs> what about you, Jake? Uh,
2: I think this one's quite a tough one to predict. I think. Um, some good points they've been made about Napoli needing to win this a little bit more than Inter so I, I could see Inter potentially dropping points in this one I think a draw is probably the most likely outcome from the game but I think it would be really interesting to watch I think um, this idea of Gattuso setting up quite sort of solid against Inter is definitely something that we can sort of bear in mind because I think if you look at the Coppa Italia game at the back end of last season I remember watching that at the time and thinking Napoli just kind of paced into you know, really high energy sort of attacking football and if anything Inter should have won that game so it's it's really hard to predict. Everybody sort of looks at Napoli one day and think, you know, they play this brilliant attacking style of football, all attacking players they've got, they've got options. You know, the the football they play is outstanding, and then they'll turn it one week and they'll just be rubbish. And its I don't know whether they get some sort of stage fright or whether he decides to tinker with things a little bit too much. Uh, I won't put it past into going there and winning at all. Um, I just don't have that 100% positive DNA of uh, Mystic Mo. I just can't 100% <laughs> fully back myself to say that they'll definitely win. I think it'll be a draw, but I won't put it past into nicking a 1-0 or something. I just think mentality-wise, they're a bit stronger than Napoli. So if anyone's going to win, I'd say into. but my head says a draw, 1-1. You see, the reason why I don't think that is because Atalanta and Juve play that day,
0: and regardless of the result in that game, um, you, you know, if Juve, if, if Atalanta win, Juve key, and, and Napoli has to win to in order to equal Juve on sixty two points. If Juve win, then Napoli has to win because then they go past Atalanta in the table. If they both draw. Then again, Napoli win, they go on 62 points, equal points with Atalanta. Uh, this is why I think, this is why this is what speaks for us, the table, that that no matter what that result is, given that Atalanta played Juve earlier that day, Napoli have to win this game, and they know it. And Gattuso is kind of playing for his job here. His job kind of depends on this. So I think that's why I think that he's going to attack, and I think that his attack is good enough to score goals. I don't see us, uh, there's not going to be a 13th clean sheet. Um it's, it's, um, I, 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 see, I see a very exciting game here. I I think a 2 2 draw is, is, is where it is because of all that. Yeah.
3: Lozano is suspended, I should just say.
0: He yeah, up, 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 yeah up. but Politano's definitely going to score, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> It would, it would be typical, wouldn't it? But, um, no, but, but I think 2 2. I think, uh, Lukaku, Lautaro, I think, Politano, and in Insignia. I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Uh, because I think Gattuso, everything you said, I agree with. But this is different. He's playing for his job. He has to get that because uh, he can really put pressure on those teams. You I, know, I this,
3: think his job is already decided from what we've been reading. I don't think there's any yeah. chance he stays. No, but there. I
0: mean, I, 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 I I've, I've heard you. I've heard Di Marzio say something similar about that as well. But I think it'll be very difficult if he gets into the Champions League final to, like, politically, to just tell him to do yeah. what.
3: Well, the the relationship doesn't seem to be great, but we'll see if they yeah. get fourth, then he'll have a decision to make. Certainly, De Laurentiis.
0: For sure, for sure, and 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 and, and yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, we'll, that's it's gonna be it's gonna be a really exciting game, um, uh, and we'll be doing a pod on the Monday, so we won't be reviewing, uh, we won't be previewing the and Hellas games. We'll do that next week. Uh, now is the time the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the positivity, which will be presented by Mister Positivity this week's Moratti. Which which is presented by Mr. Mohamed Nas. He, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this, <laughs> call it this. Yeah, so uh,
1: last week it was uh, Ashley Young, uh, unlikely uh, Morati uh, This week, equally unlikely, but much more obvious. Matteo Darmian, you alluded to him being one of this Scudetto. Um, So, yeah, of course, this guy uh, comes up uh, with a Danilo D'Ambrosio-esque goal uh, to clinch the three points. I think uh, more importantly than these, like what what I was talking about last week with Ashley Young and now Matteo D'Armian, possibly more importantly than the individual action or performance is the fact that we have a squad full of players who are playing for a common goal and, and when called upon, give their all. For the entire duration of the match, so I, I salute his spirit, I salute every player spirit uh, who has contributed to this amazing run, so, uh, yeah, Matteo, you're my, um, my morati.
0: Nice one, let's move, move on to something much more comical, this week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. William Beckman.
3: Yeah, um... Looks like we're going to win the Scudetto, which is obviously lovely, which means that um, AC Milan are forced to settle for a place in the Champions League in the best case scenario. Um, This week's frog is Stefano Pioli. You may have seen this um, for having the cheek in his pre-match press conference on Friday to say, and I quote, we never talked about the Scudetto. It was you, media, who did. So, uh... <laughs> put this to the test. Um, here we go. Uh, what have we got here? Ibrahimovic is, does, is doing a good thing by talking about the Scudetto. Let's try and win them all. That was purely. Uh, mm. Paolo Maldini, Milan are dreaming about the Scudetto. and We don't want to stop doing that. Uh, Simon Kayad, we believe in winning the Scudetto. <laughs> uh, purely, Scudetto, well, it's right. It's definitely good that we, we believe in that. Diogo Dallo, if we win the last 10 games, we'll win the Scudetto. Uh, to Kyle Tomori we must believe in the Scudetto until the end Uh, Kaya again we must believe in the Scudetto Franchesi Milan believe that they can win the Scudetto Uh, Brian Diaz the Scudetto is the only remaining objective we must try and win until the end Haugas, uh, the Scudetto is possible we'll see in a couple of weeks uh, Ibrahimovic, we didn't deserve to go out the Coppa Italia, now let's focus on winning the Scudetto uh, Donnarumma, we can fight for the Scudetto uh, Manzukic, the Scudetto is possible uh, Meite, who'd only been there 10 minutes so I'm here to win the Scudetto and uh, Calabria, we believe in the Scudetto we must not be afraid so at what point in that list of quotes did Milan not talk about the Scudetto this season I don't think the media We're telling him to say that. I mean, it's fine to talk about it. I don't see why he has to pretend he's never spoken about it. Of course, you shouldn't rule it out when you're top, you know. But
0: I think everyone except the groundsman and the guy who makes the coffee at Milanello have spoken about the Scudetto by the way. We spoke about Milan winning a Scudetto. I mean,
3: (laughs) everyone did.
0: Oh, dude, that was lovely. That was absolutely brilliant. Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks for that. Let's move on to something much more uh, negative. This week's Mod G, which will presented by Mr. Jake Smalley.
2: really hard job though because i've just stopped laughing and that's gonna be something that's pretty hard to follow <laughs> uh, but uh, i just wanted to keep it sort of a bit of an italian note note. i wanted to sort of focus on our opponents from sunday uh calgary i think this season's been quite an interesting sort of relegation battle and i was sort of trying to wrap my brains up to find a squad or sort of maybe even a starting lineup that's a strong as is on paper in the past decade that's found themselves in the position that they're in. I mean, if we talk about the 90s, we talk about Effenberg, Batiste, to level team they're getting relegated. But for me, this is probably um, the best team on paper, start level wise, uh, in terms of experience and quality of players that could end up getting relegated uh, from the Italian top flight. So is a club for me uh, are the mod of the week because they've just really, really disappointed me, made me a little bit angry. Uh, I really like the manager as well, Semplici. I think the job that he did at Spal was really, really good. He sort of galvanised them really well. And I don't want his manager of a career to, sort of, to suffer in a, in a bit of a way because you know, I quite like him. So Callery this week are uh, the biggest villains for me, because they just really disappoint me, maybe angry.
0: No, mm, oh, agreed, and and it's all down to Tommaso uh, to to Giolini, the president who who gave Fabio <laughs> Di Francesco. Yeah, was it two it. and a half years? How many years was it? Contract extension? Well.
3: I don't. I think I don't remember. It was an because I remember a, you it talked about a couple. Of,
0: yeah, it was like yeah, a year a and frog. a half. To, yeah. yeah, he was the frog because because they gave him a two and a half year or something like that extension and then sacked him two weeks later. Um, it's it's like that's that's a play that's a playwright of the Moratti crazy years playbook.
3: He, he always <laughs> picks Giuliani the best way to to get relegated. Remember when Caleri got relegated six years ago? He, he yeah. appointed Zeman that year. <laughs> I he, remember He that. was no longer a coach by that point.
0: But he still managed to beat Inter at, at Mazzari oh, yeah. and Mazzari 4-1. And Albin Ekdal scored a hat-trick yeah. of all the bloody people in the world. Of course, he <laughs> has scored his same only... Same. Yeah, exactly. He, I mean, that's the thing. If you look at his career, that guy never scores. Five goals he scored against Inter. With between Siena and 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 all and and uh, Cagliari and 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 everyone everywhere else he's been, it's just yeah.
3: And and obviously yeah.
0: he's a Milan fan, so you know. Uh, yeah. So can we can we can we celebrate the the
3: the end of speaking of sort of banter era? Into we beat Sassuolo on Wednesday at home. We hadn't Too done way. that since the seven nil
0: twenty
3: fourteen. you know, and we've you know, beaten
0: them home and away.
3: You know, thirty percent possession, my backside. You know, who cares? That's what you have to do to beat Sassuolo if you're called into.
0: I don't. I. I yeah. I mean, the thirty percent is just so. It's what you do with the ball. How dangerous were Sassuolo? As apart from the last fifteen minutes, they had nothing. And and well, they
3: scored when we were down to ten men. You know. Yeah,
0: precisely. So... Mm. There you go Right Uh, That's all we had time for I'd like to thank Willem for coming on Willem Haak Go check him out on Twitter Um, And uh, also If you speak Dutch Check out Los Stadio Uh, It's a a podcast I'd like to thank you Jake Thanks for coming
2: on No thank you for having me I have really enjoyed uh, Joining you boys again And having a good chat About Inter And like I said before It's I hope I'm not going to Jinx The club And I hope next time I'm on That we can be talking You know Even more in depth About the ribbons going on that
0: trophy, so yeah. Love Thanks it. for having me again. For sure, love, love, love what you just said. And Mr. Mohammed Nasser.
1: Always a pleasure, and from the guy who, who, the only guy who predicted six points last week. I really think that we'll hopefully be able to make it twelve points in a row. Mm. And, I, and then I can't uh, talk, uh, can't look forward to enough to talking about those ribbons on those on that Oof. trophy. So yeah.
0: Amen, uh, Mr. William Beckman.
1: Thank you. Remember,
3: Milan never spoke about the Scudetto, and uh, we'll see you next week for more fake news.
0: <laughs> Until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tavala wishing you to stay safe, listen to your authorities. Uh, if you're out of lockdown, be careful, uh, take care of yourselves. Three points, and sempre is solo forza.